Welcome to another Stockler podcast. You have um, Shane here again and... And this is Gotham again. Uh, so welcome. And if you remember at our last podcast, we talked about how to analyse businesses when they make money. But actually, there's lots of businesses in the stock market that don't make any money. So it's not very easy to think about how do you look at those businesses. So today we're going to explore ways for you to look at these strange beasts, whether they be very young businesses, whether they be very troubled businesses, whether they be businesses that run ups and downs of cycles, and for you to look at those and work out how should you analyze these businesses? Well, at least how do we analyze these businesses? Yeah, so on this podcast, we'll talk about three different scenarios where you'll find companies are losing money. But before that, we need to remember something really, really important. And what is that really key principle? Well, basically, as we, if you believe as we do that cash is king, that the future cash flows from a company determine the value of the shares ultimately, then it's obviously a big problem when the company you're looking at has no earnings. They're losing money. They're losing cash. So... What, you mean, what we're saying here is that although we think that cash is the key to the future of a business, mm -hmm. it's much more difficult to do this analysis when we're starting with a company that doesn't have cash today and isn't yeah. having cash right now. I mean, it's a nebulous question. What's the value of zero income? Yeah, yeah. What would you, um, uh, it, it, becomes, it becomes very uh, hard at times, uh, but not impossible. So, and the way you sort of um, reconcile is that without anything to hang your hat on you have to make more assumptions come up with judgments about f future events probabilities um, and there's not there might not be many things on which you can lean on to make such true, judgments true Gotham. when when i when i look at companies and this is why i usually only look at companies that are profitable i take that company and look at its profits and I extrapolate into the future where I think mm -hmm. those profits are going to grow. Yeah. So I at least have something to start with. This company makes X amount of profits mm -hmm. per annum and this is how I think, I think it's going to do. So um, looking at a business which uh, doesn't make any money at all, I personally find it very hard to forecast both when they're going to make money mm -hmm. and how much money they're going to make. So as you said, there's this key principle that we have to think about, which is, Analyzing companies, you have to think about the future cash flow. So it's obviously going to be more difficult when we now start looking at businesses that are currently losing money. Now, with, with that in mind, earlier you said that there's three different types of businesses uh, in general mm -hmm. that aren't making money. And we have to look at them in a different way, mm -hmm. each of those three. So which are the, what are those three different types of businesses? And then let's take them one by one. Sure. Uh, so the three... Uh, broadly you call them scenarios because a single company can be can occupy any one of these three spaces in the course of a business uh, life so first you'll have your young high growth yeah. company so that tech biotech tech, biotech but not necessarily I mean Tesla for a time yeah. although you call Tesla tech company mm -hmm. yeah yeah sort of uh, then you'd have uh, mature companies that are sort of falling by the wayside think Hewlett-Packard the restructuring business. They're restructuring, their businesses have matured, they're not growing. Yahoo, for example, everything's going down. Um, and now they're starting to lose money. Uh, the third and uh, 
third broad category, sort of cyclical companies that typically these are very capital intensive cyclical mm-hmm. companies. Yeah. Uh, so they need to like invest mining, or... mining automobiles, yeah. infrastructure, think Caterpillar, Ford, yeah. uh, Barrick Gold. So they need to invest a lot of money every year, regardless of how you know the gold price is doing, how many automobiles are being sold. So there are peaks and troughs in their profitability. And there are sometimes long stretches of time where they're losing money. And they have to just plow through. And they have plow to plow through, to, through. The, to the good times. They have to yeah. keep going in the bad. Okay, so we've got those three categories to look at. Why don't we start with the first one, the, the young, high-growth so mm-hmm. businesses. So there was a time when companies like Tesla came to market and they, you know, it's pretend it's a tech business. Yeah. And it, when it IPO'd and came to the market, it was losing money hand over fist and barely had any sales mm. of uh, compared to its valuation at least. And how would you have approached that sort of business in terms of analysis to work out whether it was a good investment or not? Well, um, before I start, so in all three categories, your success, because you're leaning on projections and, you know, um, probabilities and sort of making assumptions your success in all three categories will depend on how much how well you know the industry so if you don't know the industry don't my I wouldn't touch it okay you know? so looking at a business that doesn't make any, any money which right. you have no clear insight right. is probably right verging on not speculation but just gambling exactly so if you're uh, a tech investor and you live in Silicon Valley, you probably have an edge over me and a lot of other people because you're in, you're likely close to the industry, if not in it. So it's an edge and that's sort of something you need to have because, because you are making these assumptions. So in the case of young high growth companies, at that point, once you have that mindset, the process is somewhat similar to what you'd be doing for a profitable company. You're looking at the product they're hoping to sell or are have started selling, selling yeah. now. Um, what space they're selling into and how big that is. So if this is uh, Uber, for example. Uber has been around for six years. They're still losing money hand over fist. So you say, okay, what does Uber do? Well, Uber is, it started out uh, as a car sharing thing. So if it's a car sharing thing, you'd look at something like Zip cars, car to goes. How big were they? What were they thinking uh, that their market size was? But now that Uber is sort of uh, it's car sharing, but it's also a taxi, but it's also a rent a car. So you start saying, okay, so now the sum of those three industries is sort of the potential for Uber. Um, and you start I admit, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I know everybody likes to look at this, what you might refer to as top-down approach of mm-hmm. how big is the pie, how much of the pie can I get, and what is the value of that. I, I, I understand the value of that in a very broad brush mm-hmm. approach, but I, I personally much prefer saying to myself, this business did 50 million of sales last year, 150 million of sales this year, it should do... X, Y, Z in the next three years. And then I have to say to myself, businesses in this industry can do say a 20% margin, which would mean mm-hmm. the following valuation and profitability, and then look at those potential profits in the future. 
mm-hmm. and think about those. There, there, there's examples, FC, Box, Fitbit, um, uh, a Square, mm-hmm. all, all of these stuff that have IPO'd recently, all in the tech space, where you can make some pretty broad assumptions as to what you think the revenue mm-hmm. growth is going to be and the profitability in the future, and then you work backwards. Um, but it's still, there's, there's this other issue, which is they're losing money. Yeah. Do they have cash on the books right. to cover the hole that they're going to burn for the next two, three years and, and to get not, to uh, And it's not just the hole, because a lot of these companies, especially in this sort of tech space, they're losing money for one of two reasons. They're, they're either paying a lot of people a lot of money, so they're negative on an operating level, well, generally is the case, I find, uh, I've, although I admit I haven't done sort of a rigorous analysis of this, but generally I find it's um, selling and general admin expenses where everything sort of falls by the wayside. The other for something like a Tesla is just capital expenditure. So if you are you know, looking for a company t- like Tesla to go from 50 million in sales to 100 million, well, that means selling twice as many cars. Well, that means putting in, you know, as much money as they have to this point, which means this amount in losses for the next foreseeable future. And that's sort of um, how I would tend to look at it is, okay, if they, the reason I sort of take a top-down approach is because, well, it's kind of easy because if you... It is easy, it, yeah. it, it, You just it, say the car industry is worth a trillion. And and most ten uh, Ks they can get ten percent. Right. And most ten Ks will tell you what management thinks they can get. Yeah. Um, and that you can have sort of a consensus on from other analysts, from media reports. So it's fairly easy. Whereas if I say um, you know, Uber wants to double its business size in the next year, well like, okay, that's great. Well, I don't know what that's going to take or how you're going to get there. But, okay, assuming you do that. So it's just an assumption, although I'm making another assumption. It's all, like I said, it's all a bundle of assumptions and your... uh, Your assumptions versus my assumptions, whether it be top-down or bottom-up, will only be as valuable as the assumptions themselves. And if you don't know the industry, and you don't work in the industry, or you don't know somebody who works in the industry, you're really making a very big stab in the as you can see, there's a reason why like most of the companies I buy sell milk or rent apartments. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, leave the world of high tech and high growth and now talk about mature businesses who mm-hmm. are suffering. So when I think of mature businesses who are suffering, and you mentioned Hewlett-Packard and the, uh, the, that, that industry, they're not actually losing money, so that's a bit mean that you've mentioned yeah. that. But let's, let's take businesses which have gone into a problematic mm. environment. Something has gone wrong in their industry, wrong in their cost structure, and as a result, they're no longer making money. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, for me, when I look at these you know, quasi-mature businesses, I have to say to myself, is it a one-business-line business or is it a multi-business-line business? If it is a one-business-line, and just it's really doing mm-hmm. well, a one-trick pony, um, I get very worried mm-hmm. because it's not that there is a cash cow which is saving a, a broken business. It's that there's something fundamentally broke in the business. And there, 
it, it, it's a matter of looking down and saying, if the sales are going down, can they cut the bleeding? And if the gross profit is negative, if the operational profit is negative, you, know, you have to work out, is this core business actually sustainable and saveable? Mm-hmm. Um, it probably is, because it wouldn't anymore be on the stock market anymore, yeah. or it would probably have uh, died Last much quicker burn. than you would have worked out and burnt through all of its cash. So we can look back, for example, let's take a horrible example of Lavender. Kodak. Yeah. Kodak, you know, they, they could have turned the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have saved this business. And they were the one, some of the people who had the very first inventions of digital cameras and they never yeah. pursued it. Um, the, the, you know, can the business write itself? And then it's a matter of saying, if this business can write itself to me, I say, how small will it get? Mm-hmm. And how de minimis will its profits be? In that small size mm-hmm. and if I forget all the losses that are happening to now and I understand what the slimmed down business would be and the cash flow that that's in that slimmed down business can generate is it worth investing in mm-hmm. and what sort of margin of safety do I have that's what I think about when it comes to a one-line business if it's a multi-line business I like to look at within those multiple of lines again Hugh Packard doesn't lose money but it had two business lines pure computers consulting Mm -hmm. uh, a very business business and a very hardware business it's now split into two Mm -hmm. um, uh, as its solution is it possible to separate the businesses and also will management even if it is possible to separate the businesses will they actually separate them as well so so i i like to look at these businesses firstly from a are they sustainable or within them is there a sustainable part to the business and then try and value that sustainable part of the business and ignore the rest or mm-hmm. discount the rest. How do you approach them? Um, well, I'll go by way of example. So the two companies that I follow that sort of would fall into this category is Bombardier and Blackberry, for example. Okay. Blackberry, pretty right, and that goes well-known to well-known example. Well-known example. They were a one-line business. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. have since become a sort of pseudo two-line business. Okay. And. They're now trying to become a three-line business oh or a two-line business, uh, wherever that falls. But the way I would look at it is exactly what you said. So take BlackBerry, for example. They've, their revenues have gone from whatever, $19 billion five years ago to, I think, $3 billion last year. And wow. trending, trending to two and a half now. Wow. Uh, interestingly, though, Three years ago, they had higher revenues and about the same profitability as they do today. So, in terms of absolute dollars, their margins are, have imp- are they're making the same absolute dollars, but on a percentage basis of their revenue, they're making more money. Yeah. So yeah. that's so they jettisoned the loss-making revenues exactly. or zero-margin business. Exactly. Which so, is a good thing. Usually. And that that's what you'd hope these companies are doing. So, th- if this is BlackBerry circa. 2011-2012, you'd be looking at the company trying to get a sense of, okay, so they had, you know, 19 billion two years ago, they're now running at six or seven billion. What's gone wrong? Like you said, Um, what's the company said they're doing to fix it? Have they done any of those things? Because at this point, and basically, again, one another thing that you're relying on in all three scenarios here is the quality of management and of whether or not management can do what they say. So there was a period of time in BlackBerry where they would constantly project, um, you know, the ship will be okay next 
next quarter. We will ship more units a year from now. And they kept missing all of those marks. You know, so you've got a troubled company, the which right. is uh, not actually doing what it's saying it's going to do. Exactly. So you've got a credibility problem mm-hmm. in a problematic industry. Right. And again, double that, negative. So that's another thing you need the business to fix. And then you say, okay, so if the management is the problem here, can the management be removed? Mm-hmm. And if you take the example of Bombardier, that was ridiculously hard because the family still owns 50% of the company and they are loath to give that up. The government of Canada has actually basically come out and said, we won't bail you out unless you change something. Bay Street, which is Canada's Wall Street, uh, came out with much the same uh, view last week or this week, early this week, and they don't. So if it's a Bombardier and you've seen them basically make no money for the last 15, 20 years now. Um, While the management has been the same, there's been no change of the board, no control changes. That's another sort of negative where you'd say, okay, so if this is a business that is falling, um, you think the industry it operates in is not undergoing a similar decline so boeing is doing fine airbus is doing fine but blackberry samsung's doing fine even the bit players like aces and um yeah you know all huawei they're all doing fine it's just this one company ah that's really interesting so when you're looking at these mature companies Mm -hmm. in the throes of this problematic uh you know losing money looking at them and saying oh are they unique themselves in doing badly mm-hmm. or is it their industry that's mm-hmm. doing badly? Which of course we'll come on to in the third section. On the right. so, so when you see that, that, that's a really important way of saying, do I have confidence that this business can be righted? Right. And because I guess, if there's other businesses doing totally fine, yeah. there's no reason why. No, and I guess the classic example here would be uh, CP Rail uh, about a decade ago. Freight uh, business? No, they're traditional, you know, train freight freight, freight uh, across Canada. Yeah. Uh, about seven years ago, they were an okay business. They were, you know, middle of the pack. They did fine. They had problems, um, a little bit more than others. Uh, but you know, the at the same time, you had Northrop Southern, you had BNSF, you had uh, CSX. They were doing a lot better. Uh, you had actually Buffett another. Buffett ended up buying some of these businesses. Uh, Burlington. Yeah, he bought BNSF. Um, And in Canada itself, you had CN Rail, which was doing much better. So you had this one company that was really mature. It's freight trains across Canada. Um, You know, everything about them was just subpar. Mm -hmm. And they were the only ones operating at that level. And what turned that company around was not anything operational other than bringing in Hunter Harrison who was the new CEO and that was Bill Ackman's doing um, and since that I think change was made I, I believe it was six or seven years ago now um, CP is now the most efficiently run railway yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Hunter Harrison came from CN Rail yeah. so they yeah. basically took the guy who, had, who was running a really tight ship on the other company brought and him in here make another tight ship exactly yeah and now you have an excellent company. So it was yeah. a mature company that was going through a lot of problems, sort of middle of the pack, new management, fantastic company. Yeah. True. It's a very important signal. Right. Seeing um, 
believing that the execution plan, mm-hmm. that the plan is going to be executed well, and the change of management is a great sign. Right. So for mature that. companies, just to wrap that up, you're looking for uh, identify. You're looking to identify what they need to change uh, to fix the business. Can they actually change it? Um, and once they do change it, what's the likely outcome? So yeah. for a BlackBerry, if you believe that management can do what it does, it's not going to get back to a 19 billion in revenue company. It's probably going to be three or four billion dollars. That doesn't mean it mightn't be a good investment. No, but if they're yeah. making you know 20 percent on thir- three billion, yeah. that's still more money than they were making when they were selling their handsets. <laughs> That so it may not actually be a bad uh, no, and, end game for, for them. No, and their stock price will probably be better than it was yeah. when it was their hardware business because you know, if you're moving, if you're changing essential fundamentals about how your company's run, it'll change fundamentally how your stock is valued. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's then move on to the scenario where the actual industry itself mm-hmm. has run into trouble. Not a scenario where you're talking about one company in an this is where the actual industry itself has uh, a cyclical environment. Cyclical meaning the cycle, when it's good times, it's doing mm-hmm. brilliantly. When it's bad times, it's doing bad. And you mentioned these are often very capital-intensive businesses. They're constantly having to invest mm-hmm. in building new cars or new plants, regardless of whether time the economy is hot or the economy is slow. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, and the car industry is a great example of this, or the airline industry mm-hmm. is a great example of this, huge areas of semiconductor industry, big sums of money have to be spent year in, year out just to keep the, the businesses going. And if times are tough, mm-hmm. they lose money like crazy. So how do you look at these businesses during these moments when they're losing money? Because obviously there's a counterbalance, which is you just shouldn't get too excited about them yeah. in times where they're making lots of money. So let's think of one of these industries, say cars, when it's a really bad time. It's the dark days <laughs> of the economy. So essentially what you do is you extend your timeline. So if on a regular basis, you'd be comparing a company's financials year to year. Yeah. What you do is you start comparing or you should be comparing those financials cycle to cycle. So if we are now at the trough of the cycle in an industry, what you do is you look at the financials, you look at, and you're not sort of focusing on the numbers themselves you're more probably uh, interested in the percentages sort of the the ratios involved you know what 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 are the gross margins what kind of growth is coming rather than the absolute dollars and pounds being spent um, and you take that and you compare it to the same part the same company if possible when the cycle was at its trough the last time so okay because it's cyclical yeah we've been here before we've been here before and what you're looking to see is is the company how different is the position of the company today from that last time it was so this time i'm losing uh yeah 100 million on 10 million car sales uh, per annum i'm one year into the downturn the last time this happened i was losing the same amount of money on the same amount of volume, more or less, mm-hmm. it took two years for the for the cycle to come back out again. Right. The share price was twenty bucks then; it is twenty bucks now. Yeah. And then I know I'm at the bottom, or not far from the bottom. Right, and that's sort of an indicator, and that lets you that tells you two very important things. First, it tells you how long it it might take 
for the industry and then thereby the stock to turn around, it also tells you how long the company must survive. Yeah. So if the last time the company was in this position had similar revenues and everything, and the only difference now is they have less cash on hand, uh, but they have the same amount of debt, for example, they might be in a position where they either won't be able to pay off their debt and survive into the future for that amount of time. Or they'll go through some stress right. before they get out the or they'll, And that might be a very material thing because if this is, um, if they're going through the stress and they then, you know, it's Glencore, for example. Or the oil industry. Yeah, or the oil industry. And they now, just to survive, have to sell off their best assets then even if the company turns around and the cycle turns, they're not going to possibly maybe get back to where they were the last time the cycle because turned. Because they have to sell, they because, have to mortgage some of the family right. dollar. And because they've sold off everything. I think Glencore yesterday um, sold off all the agricultural land yeah, in Canada. Yeah. Um, so if that was a stabilizing force in Glencore's portfolio, the last time um, metal prices had bottomed, now they don't have that safety net. And they won't have sort of, you know, a safety net going forward. So their their earnings will be more volatile. There will be less stability, and that will get reflected in the stock price, and it'll get discounted more. So the price might not get back to where it does. So again, for site for cyclical companies, you're looking at how long is it going to take to turn around. When they when it does turn around, is this company going to sort of be the same? when the cycle turns or will they need to take steps to survive the downturn that materially changes something about their business and, and for me if it is one of those businesses that is uh, potentially going to have stress between now and when the cycle ticks up it's just an additional risk that i personally don't want to take mm -hmm. um, especially if i don't know the industry okay well Let's wrap this up. So we've, we've explored the alternative to our last podcast, which is what, how do you analyze businesses that are losing money rather than making money? So the first thing is clearly it's more complicated. Very. Um, clearly it is more risky and more speculative. Um, and within that, we've looked at the three different groups, very young and mature, uh, very young businesses, which are high growth. Um, there's mature businesses who themselves are troubled in an industry that may be okay. And then finally, these cyclical businesses. So by the sounds of it, the very first thing that we need to people uh, to remember is, firstly, when you're looking at these businesses, is there sufficient cash or access mm -hmm. to cash to make sure they make it? Exactly. Uh, that's the very first thing that people need to think about. The second thing people need to think about is, do you actually know this industry? Do you have any insight into this industry? Because if you don't know the industry, your ability to make these more complicated forecasts mm -hmm. and predictions for this business are, uh, aren't as good as somebody who does. So you may just be being totally stabbing in the dark if you don't really understand the business or the industry or have an insight. And then finally, one of the really, really key things is the execution plan of the management and your mm -hmm. trust in the managers. That's the same for any investment, but it specifically for this, because these companies don't always have, they don't, they don't have the cash flow to facilitate mistakes, mm -hmm. to smooth over mistakes. If they make mistakes and the management 
doesn't change the business, doesn't grow the business, or doesn't have the ability to manage its way through, then you're gonna find that your business is gonna be going through some stress and uh, that ain't gonna be of any use to your investment. No, and I mean, there's, there's a very big temptation to buy into these companies because they are more risky, their returns are, you know, if not higher, then they tend to be sharper. When the cycle turns in oil, like we saw in the past, you know, two months, when the oil price ticked up, the price went up, I think, 10 or 20%. Companies ran up 100%. Seed oil, I think, doubled or tripled within a couple of weeks. Um, so, if, so there's a temptation to buy these companies when everything is going bad. And if you are interested in that, what I have always fallen back on is an ETF. Because that sort of mitigates your management uh, risk that even if a single company within this industry, and this sort of works better. So this for is this is this isn't the cyclical group. It so works cyclical, best for yeah, cyclical in a cyclical companies. group. If you, um, if you think in the cyclical group, there's the potential to for, for the cycle to change. Mm -hmm. An ETF is a good way to play it. Yeah, because it, uh, it diversifies away from a lot of company-specific risks, and you're essentially then taking a bet that whatever the overarching problem is with the industry will eventually turn around or is now turning around. Okay, okay, great. Well, thank you very much for the time today, everybody, and joining us on this Stock Flare podcast. Again, please send us messages, uh, what you thought on today, and on any ideas that you'd like us to cover in our upcoming podcasts. Really appreciate you joining, and many, many thanks.